I got my uh, uh, degree from Ohio State in 1991, so it was 16 years ago. And this year, this is my first full sabbatical leave. And uh, when I said I am on a sabbatical leave, my friends in Seoul asked me, oh, you do it again? Because I have been such a frequent visitor to Columbus, so they believed that I was on sabbatical years ago, but this is my real first one, but not really the one, because yes, as Rick just mentioned, I've been more often in Korea than in the States, and more often in the airplanes than in Columbus. In fact, uh, uh, okay, uh, See this one? This is North Korean workers working at South Korean uh, factories built in what is called the Kaesong Industrial Complex, right on the DMZ area. And that is a huge project. Only this is only one of 15 factories. And I was uh, kind of invited to visit there a couple of weeks ago by. Uh, National Security Advisor, our president. And then I'm just showing two pictures. The next one is, did you see? When, when, when someone shows, when someone saw, this is not my camera. A friend of mine took my picture like this. While he was working on that, his wife asked him that, he must be a North Korean. Okay, uh, in North Korea, this is a very rare spot where you can see the greens. Okay, this is, this is a historical area, so they maintain those woods, but nowhere else you can find any woods. You know, small hills because of the energy shortages, they just all cut down and burned it. And this is a very rare occasion. I, I mean, I was lucky to able to visit there, but. Anyway, I'm showing this because it's going to be a huge issue related to my, my research. Okay, um, let me just express some my, the background of my research. I think this is part of my lifetime research. I'd be lucky if I were able to finish my book on, on this kind of subject throughout my, the rest of my career. Um, during my two days, um, two weeks of visit to Korea last week and the week before, I had I was engaged at three governmental uh, advisory committees meetings, and I had to wrote two newspaper columns and so on. So South Korea is in a crazy place. Okay, on the very day just before I left Korea on Monday. U.S.-South Korea free trade agreement was signed amid strong social upheavals. When I checked, I mean, that was a huge issue in South Korea, but when I checked uh, New York Times, they have only short article from Reuters. It was no major, it was, there was no major coverage in New York Times at the same time why it was a big issue in South Korea. For example, leading political uh, figures in Korea were on hunger strikes for two weeks against this uh, uh, U.S. South Korea FTA. 
And during the uh, large-scale and lasting demonstration on the street for that lasted for several months, a, a taxi driver killed himself by burning himself. I was really wondering, because why free trade agreements, how free trade agreements affect the interests of a taxi driver so desperate that he committed suicide by burning himself? The issue is not, I think the issue is not really a political economic issues at all. It is more a political than the economic issues. I mean, he is a member of a trade union, but uh, I, th I don't think a taxi driver's interest will be halted by free trade agreement with the United States. He must be aided by that. But anyway, he killed himself like that. And that tells you a lot of stories, I mean, upcoming issues. For example, the president himself, I mean, uh, the treaty must be ratified by the National Assembly, and it's going to be never easy. It's going to create huge political debates and struggles in the South Korean National Assembly. At the same time, uh, the president proposed a constitutional amendment, which is another big, big issue. Then you may expect that a lot of big issues upcoming in this year, because this is an election year. In December, we will have presidential election. And at the same time, you all know the North Korean nuclear crisis. We almost had a kind of war, near war crisis at the time. And again, I mean, in the first week of my stay in Korea, I was asked to write two newspaper columns on North Korean nuclear talks. And in some South Korean people, is pretty optimistic now because North, there was some agreement between the United States and North Korea, and both U.S. and North Korean government show some flexibility in negotiations. But still, my perception, my expectation is that we will have another kind of brinkmanship between North Korea and North United States pretty, pretty soon, pretty, within a couple of weeks, I guess. I mean, the, the six days agreement I mean, there is a six days uh, time limit that will expire on April 13th in which North Korea must submit, declare the list of nuclear facilities they will disable. And everybody, under, I mean, everybody wonders whether North Korea will include those plutoniums and highly enriched uraniums in the list of those uh, 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 nuclear facilities. And, but uh, still, many people ex uh, anticipate that South Korean president may announce a kind of inter-Korean summit plan sometime in spring or uh, somewhat affect presidential elections. So this is, I mean, if you stay in Korea, you are always in a kind of big, big event. It, you, you, we, I used to call that Columbus is like a very boring heaven, while Seoul is a very exciting uh, hell. <laughs> okay. This is uh, not a new phenomenon at all. Okay, I mean, in 1997 and eight, there was a financial crisis, and I was affected personally. I mean, I just at the time I just I just purchased an apartment on a bank loan. Right after that, interest rates sold up to 35 percent, so I had to resell uh, those apartments after absorbing some of the losses. And what the point is, that at the time, South Korean 
public rallied to what is called gold collecting uh, movement. Okay, there was a huge public movement collecting golds because South Korea crisis was uh, due to the shortage of foreign currencies. Uh, some businessmen get an idea that we could pay those foreign debt by collecting debt gold, and there was mass, massive participation by the publics. And the second thing, I don't know whether you remember that or not, but in 19, summer of 1992, uh, 2002, there was a World Cup soccer tournament is held in Seoul and Tokyo, and there was street rally, huge rally. I mean, we all know huge rally, huge rally in the street of Columbus on the Michigan game, and I don't know whether there was a big rally in the street on the Monday on a, the, the basketball game on the Florida, but it was, you know, the population of South Korea is 48 million. At one point in time, there was 7 million people rallied in the street. 7 million out of 48 million was unbelievable. I, I was part of it. And right after that, in the fall of 2000, late, it started in late, uh, late, uh, November and lasted until early January. There was a huge anti-American candlelight demonstrations. Okay, uh, my my paper, the the newest wave of South Korean anti-Americanism was based on about that one. Okay, and then the presidential election was uh, yielded a very unexpected result. I mean, underdog won the election out of those kind of huge. Uh, the candlelight demonstration was, I mean, nationwide demonstrations. It lasted over 54 days, and every night there was about uh, more than 10,000 participants with the children, young, and so on. Then in, again in 2004, spring of 2004, the current president, Romuyan, was impeached by the National Assembly, and there was a huge demonstration again, and then there was political crisis, and in the 2004, right after that, there was election, general election on the, for the National Assembly members. And at the time, the ruling party, which started with, the, which had 44 seats out of 279, won more than 150 seats after the impeachment. That was kind of political dynamics in Korea. The key issue is why is it that kind of a thing? Okay, uh, my, I, I told you that this is my lifetime, this will be my lifetime project. How demo, democratization has affected foreign policy making in South Korea. I think some of you may remember my, tweet, my presentation two years ago right here. At the time, the title was Between Voters and Allies. And this is part of that thing. Okay, uh, in, that, in that thing, I define democratization of, uh, in this way, that is institutionalization of democratic values and principles. So at social and institutional level, um, the democratization of South Korea was kind of done in 1987 when there was a mass demonstration for direct election of presidents and the people's uh, demand one 
So after that, there was a sweeping democratization on an institutional level. For example, freedom of press was fully allowed, freedom of, freedom of association fully allowed, and all elections, direct elections was allowed at, at every level, local levels, general assembly levels, national assembly levels, and at the presidential levels. So then uh, there was a lot of elections. I mean, almost every year we have uh, uh, elections replacement elections and local elections, general elections, and so on. And there was a very interesting uh, uh, pattern in the elections that is either called punitive voting. Okay, punitive voting. I mean, I told you that uh, in the 2004, spring of 2004, ruling party who had only 44 seats out of 279 at the beginning, won more than 150 seats after the, I mean, the election because of the impeachment issues. Okay, I mean, people really were mad that the National Assembly members, whom they believe were just corrupt politicians, impeached the president whom the public themselves elected by themselves by through elect, direct elections. So that was another example of punitive voting. But after that, ruling party never won any single election. I mean, after that, there was 45 replacement elections on local level as well as general assembly, national assembly members. And in those 45 elections, ruling party won, never won, won a single seat. They all lost them. And in, in 2006, the last year, there was a local election, and it was total failure for the ruling party. I mean, they had only three out of 15 gubernatorial elections, and in the, in the mayor's level, they, there was total failure for them. That is, I am saying, punitive voting. Okay, uh, but uh, my point is not on institutional or social level. My point is at individual level. Okay, uh, in the process of democratization, those democratic values and principles, I mean, are institutionalized, as I told you, but at the same time, they are internalized in the public's mind through public debates and political participation. I mean, when they debated about democratization, everybody was talking, what are the true values of democracies, what are true interpreted democratic principles, and through that kind of thing, in public's mind, those the values and principles of democracy is internalized. Okay, and that is kind of reinforced through frequent participation in polit political processes through voting as well as other lobbying and other political activities. So, those internalization of democrat democratic values and principles has enhanced the sense of a national identity. That is, I think, that is the key driving forces in South Korea political dynamics. That has also huge influences on foreign, foreign policy making. That, that is a key theme. And in this research, I am analyzing on this national identity issue. Okay, uh, I don't know much about national identity. I mean, Rig is experts. I'm not a political psychologist. My understanding of national identity is heavily influenced by reading William Bloom's book, Personal Identity, National Identity, and International Relations, where he describes what he called national identity dynamic. 
I mean, when people have a strong national identity, means I mean they has a strong, strongly identify themselves with the that of nation, uh, then there is a potential for huge political dynamic like mass movements or political crisis and so on. Okay, uh, my hunch is that national identity has two dimensions or two sides of a single coin, external dimensions and internal dimensions. External dimensions is sovereign, interdi uh, sovereign independence and internal is political masterhood or political mastership. That is the sense that they are the master of the nation or the state. This internal dimension. Externally, there's sovereign independence. That is, it should not be uh, disturbed or interrupted by any outside forces. Um, okay. I, I'm telling you that this is this will be my lifetime project because I'm posing a huge question there. I mean, uh, in Rick, the book edited by Rick, uh, transnational, transnational identities in Europe. There was a, I read some kind of division or uh, distinction between culture and civic component of a national identity. Okay. And many people believe that South Korean, I mean, Korean national identity could be cultural because Korean has legend history 5,000 years, or so at least written history of 2,000 years. And then, I mean, we have strong, his, I mean, the history of strong government uh, for over 1,000 years and the history of uh, colonial rule by the Japan and so on. So, uh, the background or the basis of Korean national identity could be ethnic or cultural based on same history, same culture, same uh, uh, kind of language, religious, that kind of a thing rather than uh, civic. Civic means that it related to the political institutions and states and so on. Okay. Um, I would argue that South Korean national identity, the basis of South Korean national identity is pretty strong because of long history, shared, I mean, culture, and history of uh, colonial rule and so on. But my point, the focus is the enhanced national identity after democratization. I mean, the basis was like this. And it has enhanced during the past 20 years of democratization period because of political participation, experience, um, and democratization, and those developed values were internalized and so on. So my hunch is that civic components, I mean, both national identity is both cultural component as well as civic component. And any enhanced portion of South Korean national identity will be more civic than the cultural. Okay, so uh, that I think that has huge implication. That's a huge argument. Um, okay, uh, I was I was my arg I mean, many people believe that nationalism in South Korea is so strong at the basis of ethnic nationalism. So I mean the. The, the desire for national unification, the desire for national rapprochement with North Korea is so strong that uh, based on that assumption that current president or political leaders, I think 
are now plotting a dramatic inter-Korean event like a summit meeting, sometimes it's summer, to affect upcoming presidential election. My hunch is that may not be the case. I mean, South Korean, if South Korean national identity is strong, sense of nationality is strong, that is more civic than the cultural, that North Korean component or ethnic component or, or cult component or that uh, may backfire. Have to, I have some kind of, some kind of uh, fractional uh, evidence so far on that uh, argument, but it is not well analyzed. Okay. To analyze that, we, I had a, a national survey data, which was conducted in October 2005, precisely on national identity. Um, since then, I was playing with that data for over a year, but I could not, I mean, finish a good paper yet. I mean, to be honest with you, I do not have very good re results yet. The more I work on it, the more, the harder to measure the concept national identity with the numbers. Numbers. When I talked to uh, uh, Rick, Rick was strongly suggesting using structural equation model using Amos, uh, but I couldn't do that because I don't, I'm, I don't have the, 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 the program as well as I am not, uh, uh, I, I don't know how to use it. But uh, I, I'm going to show you some preliminary analysis of how, how we measure, we try to measure the sense of national identity. Throughout the research, I mean, uh, data, we had some kind of sense that national identity, national identity meaning the, the degree I mean, I think national identity has two, dim two dimensions, both qualitative dimension and quantitative dimension. Qualitative dimension is the image of our nation to which I belong to. That is qualitative dimension. And quantitative dimension is the strengths or the extent to which I identify myself with the nation I belong to. So when I say the sense of national identity is enhanced, that's the quantitative dimension of national identity. That is, after democratization, South Korean people began to identify themselves with the, that of na with the nation stronger than before. That is what I mean by enhanced national, sense of national identity. The components of national identity, we believe the three uh, elements. One is the feeling of the attachment with the group I belong to, the nation I belong to. Since the, the because that's, the element of self-identity is always involves the narcissism. So that is kind of the, the sense of national pride is another dimension. And the patriotism, the degree to which we are willing to sacrifice my self-interest for the sake of the nation. That is uh, patriotism, three components. Uh, I, we can never exp uh, uh, argue that the each of those components will fully measure national identity itself, but national identity will yield, uh, generate some of such feelings, so that is kind of indirect measure of national identity. So on the first component, we asked, 
we asked uh, the respondents the following question. How close do you feel to the violent groups to which you belong? And the answer is, is, is in the four, four scales. Very close, some are close, some are not close, or not close at all. And asked local community, uh, seven, uh, seven kind of uh, groups to which they belong, local community, and the city or county, and province. In South Korea, there are 50 provinces. And in each province, there are uh, like uh, 10 or 20 cities or counties. So this is the largest scale coming down. And then being a South Korean citizen, then a Korean nation, being a member of Korean nation, and being an Asian, and being a global citizen. And I have to switch to another program because somehow I this is uh, Korean word process to which the tables were not converted to the PowerPoint projections, so I have to work on that. Okay. Uh, on, on the second column is the percentage of people who answer they feel close. I mean, one and two answers on each of those communities. So local community, 53.2, city, 51.4, it's coming down as the size goes up. Then all of a sudden, the number goes up to 77% where it goes to the South Republic of Korea or South Korea. Then it goes up, the Korean nation means we, we, we have a term for Korean nation that include both North and South Korea as well as Korean nations in abroad, so like Korean Americans and so on. That is Korean nation. That is 63.9% Asian, 44% global citizen, 27. I don't know whether which the, the number has any meaning at all. I mean, but uh, from that point, from that uh, numbers, we could believe, we could see that South Korean people tend to uh, feel the most close to the, 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 the states, South Korean states, rather than the uh, bigger size and the nation or the local community they belong to, smaller sizes. So, um, my hunch that uh, uh, South Korean national identity has strong elements of a civic element, civic component. It's somewhat supported, but I'm not quite sure on that. Then we, what, I, what I did is just uh, calculated the correlations among those six, seven measures. And South Korean and Korean national is pretty highly correlated and so on. But when I said a feeling of attachment when we try to measure national identity. Tentatively, I used some of the responses to South Korean as well as Korean nation groups, which are these codes. That, that is a tentative measure of a feeling of attachment. Then the patriotism. There were several questions which may
The survey included, uh, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? And the, in five-point scales, that is, I would rather be a citizen of Arakeira than being a citizen of any other countries. And a, another, another uh, uh, statement was, a patriot citizen should support his or her country even if the country is doing something wrong. And it's called, I mean, measure the patriotism I send a response to A and B, which is this code. And national pride. I mean, we asked this on a, 10 items. So how proud are you of the following achievement by this country? And a four-point scale response was measured in four-point scale. So very proud, some are proud, some are not proud, not proud at all. Democracy, international status and recognition, economic development, social security, science, technology, sport, cultural arts, military capabilities, social and social treatment, and so on. Okay, uh, when I uh, manipulated some of these data, I mean, for example, exploratory factor analysis, correlation check, and so on, there these 10 uh, responses tend to load uh, on two factors. Seems like one civic component as well as cultural component, but that should be explored further. But at this moment, I just uh, measured national pride by some of the responses to eight, one through ten, all they are this cold. Uh, and today's talk, I am just ask, checking whether those components or some measure of national identity is related to foreign policy attitude or foreign disposition of respondent. So I was measuring three dimensions of foreign policy attitude or dispositions. Three, one is economic chauvinism. Second is militarism. Third was internationalism. Okay, economic chauvinism, I mean, we was giving them some kind of statement and ask the respondent whether they agree to the statement or not. And do you agree or disagree with the following statement? Because chauvinism, 40 immigrant workers are threatening our jobs. We must protect our rice market at all costs. And large foreign companies are increasing, increasingly hurting Korea's economy. That's uh, three measures of economic chauvinism. And militarism was uh, a strong military capability is essential to survive in international system was one statement. And our country must possess nuclear weapons as well was another a statement. And internationalism, and do you agree or disagree with the following statement? We must provide more, we have to provide more international aid to poor countries is one. We must allow foreigners to obtain Korean citizenship more easily Second, we must follow decisions by international organizations even against our national interests. And those core responses were just called and summed up to measure, I mean, tentative measure of these three disposition of values. I just, in preliminary analysis, I just had correlation measures between those six three uh, components of national identity and three measures of political dispositions. 
those numbers with asterisk is a correlation that is not significant at the O4, O5 level, and all others are significant O5 or higher level. So the measure, the feeling of attachment is not a very good predictor of foreign policy attitude or foreign policy uh, dispositions. It barely correlated, I mean, significant correlated with militarism, but not significant correlated with economic chauvinism or internationalism. The measure of national pride is rather strongly correlated with uh, economic chauvinism as well as international, economic internationalism. And patriotism um, is uh, better in the, I mean, also a good uh, predictor of uh, economic, I mean, foreign policy attitude at its positions. Uh, at this moment, I can't really tell whether these components are, I mean, the correlation between those three components are not very high, so I don't know whether I have a very good measure of uh, uh, national identity at this moment or this way of uh, measuring national identity is the right one or not. I mean, I'm 100% sure that I have to go on with structural equation modeling with Amos and others, but uh, at this moment, my research, this is such a preliminary one. Okay, I have some other, uh, uh, I have done lots of other, I mean, explorative researches, but because time limit, I could not put them on, on, on the screen like for the presentation, so I will start my project at this moment, get some suggestions and questions from you. I have reached those Korea three times. One is uh, two years ago in Gumgang Mountain tourist area, and one another one was to Pyongyang, city of Pyongyang, capital city, last summer, and this time to Gyeong. And all of three times we were completely, I mean, uh, isolated from the public. So we were not allowed to make uh, any kind of uh, contact with the local people. I mean, we were allowed to count only with some highly trained people like that. But I received regular mails, I mean, regular mails uh, from a uh, civic organization that sent me news on North Korea. Just, I just received another one. And somehow, I mean, North Koreans are not allowed to possess any cell phones at all. The telephones, I mean, television shows all, all one channels and some, but still, still some of them possess uh, uh, cell phones that is from import from uh, China. Still in North Korea, South Korean drama and songs are popular in local societies. So 
I, I really don't know how long North Korea can resist the influence of outside cultures, particularly South Korea's, because of the language. There's no language barriers at all. Uh, so, I mean, my hunch is that uh, within a couple of years, there may be huge, big changes, both in North Korea and the Korea relations and international relations in East Asia, too. Mm, I can, can. I mean, I told you that uh, within 10 days, North Korea must submit the list of nuclear facilities they will dismantle. That is huge threshold, threshold towards resolving the crisis. And so, I mean, if it works well, then North Korea will open up its economy as well as society to the outside influences more. If not, North Korea will face uh, much tougher international sanctions, and then North Korean economy may not uh, survive any longer. I mean, I, I, I feel such a sense of urgencies. I mean, I, so I was attending several governmental meetings during my last visit, and so I was keep urging that, uh, I mean, I have a strong sense of urgency is that our government must be very well prepared and very well coordinated with U.S. government and other allies in preparing for any kind of exigencies and so on. I have worked. And when we get to here, the dependent variable that you're using national to explain seems to be are these much broader economic chauvinism and militarism. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering whether you've considered whether increasing levels of any of your three measures relate to more positive or negative feelings about the North or different strategies of integration and more negative or positive feelings about cooperating with the United States. I. I mean, many people believe that the general uh, presumption is that the more nationalistic, I mean, any increase of those measures, South Korean people may be tend, I mean, may become uh, anti-American, which is not the case. I mean, I did not show here, but I have several measures of pro-Americanism or anti-Americanism, which is a positively correlated this national pride thing or patriotic things. On the other hand, North Korea thing, I mean, I'm sorry because I prepared only this much presentation. I have, I mean, in, in Korean, I have some other analysis, which because time limit, I could not translate into English. But for example, uh, I also, it also has a kind of feeling thermometer me measures, measures of survey data. Uh, in that analysis, United States scores of 58. In, um, in average, North Korea scores at only 44 and in, among South Koreans. And we also, I try to correlate, uh, see how South Korean views of foreign countries correlate with each other. And it tends to vary. I mean, U.S. is highly related to Japan and some other Western European countries, while South Korean views of North Korea in terms of feeling thermometers are correlated with Iraq and Iran, like a, like uh, my exit of evil connotation also works on South Koreans as well. I was really surprised on that.
Yes, sir. Oh, I mean, that's a, I think interacting or I mean, mutually enforcing processes. I mean, sometimes or another match. I, I, my hypothesis was that if you have a strong, uh, stronger sense of national identity, I mean, will be associated with political participation. So I measured the the number of votings in four different elections. Which is, I mean, what I'm saying is the higher your national identity is, the more likely you will participate in politics. And the more participate in politics, then the, your national identity will increase. That is kind of reciprocal processes. That is my hunch. Uh, I, I don't know much about the Brit British case, but. Uh, so then there the identification Oh, I mean. That is one thing that I, I'm, I'm really concerned. I mean, okay, there's a pride measures. Uh, how, how do you, how, how, much, how, how much proud are you on, for example, political democratization in Korea? If you are really high on uh, national identity, your, your, your demand for the level of democratization may be higher so that the correlation could be negative or the other way around. So I was not, I was not definite on that on that issue. Do you have any idea about it? <laughs> I mean, it turns out to be positive correlated that is the people who has a high pride on national political achievement is also has high measures of uh, patriotism, uh, sense of attachment. But uh, I mean, intuitively it could be either way. So I think it's, it's going to be an empirical question, carefully designed uh, research. It. There's a kind of general question that I, I was intrigued by some of the research you were mentioning and how you got it from there. You talked a little bit about, I guess, as a self-centered American, uh, your research on the duties of some American citizens. What, what are the I, I mentioned two, which is the same size, I mean, the, the, the two sides of the same coins, the national identity, external dimension is sense of a sovereign independence and so on. Uh, Anti-Americanism, I think is kind of perv uh, pervasive uh, belief among peoples. I mean, I think it's a temporary expression of feeling of hurt 
being hurt by uh, U.S. Uh, policy or presence and so on. Um, Anti-Americanism in South Korea has risen late 1990s. I think that is because of the activity by some civil organizations. I mean, before that, I mean, U.S. presence in South Korea is very, very, very strong. I mean, you have uh, three, over uh, 30,000 troops and huge um, military bases in the downtown of Seoul city. And some of uh, uh, the, uh, the civil organizations which reported, report some major issues like uh, oil spilling by U.S. Uh, militaries, some kind of raping uh, kind of things by U.S. soldiers and so on, which was not a issue, but somehow uh, during the late 1990s, those, is those issues were reported and became an issue and debated on the internet heatedly. Uh, then once it becomes an issue, uh, I think people in general uh, began to feel that uh, the sense of a national pride, the sense of a national identity is now uh, being kind of offended by uh, American presence, or American policies, and so on. That uh, was highlighted in, uh, in the 2002. I mean, the issue was kind of uh, portrayed like this. Two schoolgirls were killed, not really ki um, killed by accident, uh, operated, I mean, by uh, armored vehicle operated by American soldiers. Schoolgirls were just on their way from school to home, then the arrows streets, and then the armored vehicle was blind-eyed. Perhaps one, I mean, one was operating, the other one is watching, it is clean, but anyway, they killed two girls. It was in June, okay, it was not an issue. All of a sudden, it became an issue in November. Those uh, people just uh, distributed some pill, I mean, some kind of papers showing the pictures of young, young girls. I mean, and, I mean, just imagine the dead body of young girls. Uh, Killed by those armored vehicles. That's terrible. I mean, I cannot, I cannot see it. But it was uh, distributed in, in the street. Then, oh, that issue became an issue because American military courts uh, found those two soldiers were not guilty. Okay, those juries on uh, it not guilty. And then all of a sudden, there became issues like this: uh, two foreigners who killed uh, South Korean national were uh, kind of uh, trialed, not our national courts, but there were military courts, and it sense of a, a kind of unfairness that they uh, verdicted not guilty and so on. And with that and the picture of those girls it triggered a large-scale event. Uh, it really lasted for a year. I still, it's still lingering, but I don't think, um, I mean, Again, I would say that that was anti-American movement rather than anti-American sentiment or anti-American ideology and so something like that in Korea. I mean, if you, you, you ask uh, some other measures like a uh, film thermometer and, and so on, I mean, South Korea, I mean, North, I mean United States is really an ally in many of I me, mean, most of the South Korean people. Uh, but uh, the, 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 the probability or the likelihood of such an event is always there because of a strong presence of U.S. at any time. Yes, ma'am.
Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I think I, I mis misphrased them. It's not really uh, achievement, rather. It's, it's like a current state, a current status of those kind of dimensions of social or cultural or political indicators. Also. I'm question was how proud you are uh, about the, the, the current level of our social treatment, current level of social security system, and so on. Yeah, the question was how proud you are, but uh, like it wasn't really the, uh, the achievement we have done on these areas. It was not that one, but how proud are you on this kind of uh, state? I think uh, yeah, the phrase was more like it, the current state of our. Uh, I mean, social systems at this level, and how proud you are. It was asking that way. Yes, sir. Oh. There is a tendency like that, but I don't believe many publics in the street have such a strategic calculation in their minds. I would say this, uh, and if you, you can say anti-Japanism in South Korea, that is, that's real, that's pervasive. I mean, we, when we measured the uh, feeling thermometer on 15 different countries, Japan scored the lowest. That's always the case. So I think that is anti-Japanism that's deeply rooted in South Korean public. Uh, I don't believe, I'm, I'm not quite sure whether the South Korean publics have developed very well structured a stable view of China yet because we have only about so 15 years of public official relations. But in general it is favorable, but still both the sentiment to Japan as well as China is subject to the same kind of event as we expect with respect to the United States. For example, there was a news that China is trying to rewrite its history involving ancient territory of Korea. Public views of uh, China turned real bad. So, so that kind of event can trigger anti-Chinese sentiment in Korea too, like it triggered anti-American sentiment there. And it, it may increase at any time because Chinese presence is increasing every day. I mean, uh, we have so much trade and so on. So that is possible. Whether uh, people tend to see United States, the relationship with the United States as or China as a kind of trade relations. Yeah, we found some kind of a trend like that, but I, it wasn't right, not really definite. I didn't see the people who see uh, uh, China, who like China, I mean, if that is the case, we would expect a kind of negative correlation between our views on United States and our views on China. No, it is not. It's possibly related. So I, that is not the case, but some of the polls uh, some uh, some stupid questions like, uh, which of the following countries is more important in the future for South Korea, United States, North China, that kind of a thing. In that, 
The cost itself is imposing trade of relations. Uh, in that case, that is, that happened. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I have. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I did not show that, but uh, yes, so, patriotism, no, national pride is, uh, positive, I mean, oh, 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 chauvinism, militarism is obviously thrown associated with the ages. So, older generation tend to become chauvinism, somewhat militaristic. Males are more militaristic than females, this is obvious. And internationalism is strongly associated with the level of education. The, the higher, Educated, the highly educated people will be more internationalistic. Yes. I think we have to do re really serious research on that. I mean, I would say that uh, broadband internet connection in South Korea is very, very well done. It's, it's even better than um, in, in, in the States. And uh, if you see some internet debates, like what is called ripples, replies, and it's, it's huge. Uh, at one point in time, during last elections, in uh, I told you, in April 2006, there was a uh, general election for national assembly maps. There was a news on on uh, Ms. Park Geun-hye, who is one of the president candidates today. He, he, she was, at the time, the, the head of the, the opposition party. There was a news on that, and I counted over 100,000 uh, comments on that news. So that, that, that's amazing. I don't know whether uh, the internet, uh, internet mass media, I mean, younger generations obtain their news, not from paper news, but from internet. So the way they selected the news or the internet media represent the uh, events, how they affect their perception, it needs a careful research, which hasn't been done yet. Okay. It's not related with the previous question about the South Korean attitude towards China. I haven't read much from the English media, but from the from the Chinese news reports, and also when I visited China last year in Northeast China, there seems to be a lot of stories going on that you know both sides are claiming certain parts of. Maybe I don't know. Because yeah, our as, uh, history or not, I don't. That is a different matter. But in that was the history. Yeah, yeah, 
Oh, oh I, 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 yeah, I mean, some people make you cry, and it, that is, I don't think it is popular. Um, when I traveled to Kaesong City, guess we crossed the DMZ and they built a new road as well as a new railroad. And our guide, Hitchis, who was a government official who was participating in that, told me that they were very careful uh, to ma maintain those kind of environmental things. For example, they created some echo bridges for the animals to cross those roads as well as railroad and so on. So, they were very sensitive to the conditions as well. I don't know. I don't know whether eventually. I mean, eventually, if North and South Korea become a kind of some other de facto or de jure unified, whether DMZ will be de uh, destroyed or not, I don't know. I mean, we. I haven't heard anything about it at all. I mean, we haven't seen for sure that kind of possibilities at this moment. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I hope that by the end of this uh, this uh, call, I can present uh, more analysis of the data. Thank you. 